0: listening to the Taming Hinges podcast, conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast, real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. welcome to another episode of the taming hindrances podcast as always my name is phil i'm the host and creator of the podcast and i have another episode for you on this whimsical ride of trying to discover what self-awareness is and what mental health is all about and what's this thing known as spirituality and uh, pretty much everything else in between um this episode is brought to you again by a set of tarot cards. Uh, I think this is the third, fourth episode, third episode. Maybe it's the fourth. I don't remember anymore. Um, this will be the fourth episode that I've picked tarot cards to kind of define what the episode was to be about. Part of the reason I'm doing this is to explore the idea of divination and explore the idea of these, you know, woo-woo or, or spiritual or other modalities of learning about things, thinking about things, you know, this idea of divination, what it is. And, um, looking at what oftentimes is kind of shunned or, you know, called quackery or those types of things. That's part of it. And then there's, there's that. There's also the fact that I've always wanted to kind of get better with tarot cards. Um, and finally, Sometimes I can't think of topics. I don't know where to take things. And I'd rather, I'd rather have an idea of an outside force presenting topics that best help people or that people can get something out of. I don't do this podcast for the fame or the fortune. In fact, I'm 46 episodes in and the only money I've made from it is um, not even actually from the podcast. I mean, I'm sure some people who listen to the podcast actually you know, do go over to purebulk.com and use my taming hindrances code for 10% off that I get a commission from. But most of those commissions that I've made from that are from a uh, specific review video I did on a product called Pure Sleep from Cliff High. Uh, Cliff, if you ever listen to any of this, I would love to talk to you and have you on the podcast. Probably never going to happen, but you can, you know, you can dream. Um, so... There's that little avenue, but other than that, I have no income from the podcast. I've done it for reasons of catharsis. Um, It's helped me greatly understand some of the things that I've come to learn in my life, as well as kind of organize all of these ideas I've had. And I think at some point, most... Most people who are maybe like me and get lost in their head a little bit have this moment where you kind of have to start organizing and put these things together. Uh, I think artists do it. I think musicians do it. I think anyone who buys a home and or moves into a new place and has to organize, you know, what goes in what room. Um, anytime we make big changes. We have this patterning effect. And one of the big changes I made was I decided, okay, enough of this suicidal nature thing. It doesn't fit me anymore. It's not the correct thing. And I talked about this last episode in the purpose episode and how it had taken me a really long time to realize what that point was. And that point actually happened a long time ago when I was a child. I just didn't recognize it. And that was... Learning the stepping off point, which again, you know, I didn't really recognize and present until last episode, episode 45, that the first step in self-awareness, the first step in controlling mental health, the first step into understanding spirituality, the first step into just being who we are is to have the purpose of making your depression your own. That's the first step to have the purpose, which builds the determination to make your depression your own, to no longer be controllable. And I don't mean this in some anarchist idea or anything like that or some conspiracy idea. It's literally just to become your own person. This is the defining moment of self-awareness. And many people describe it differently, you know, when that moment was for them. And I think there's multiple of them. I don't think it's just, you know, I have one moment and then that's it and you're off to the races from there. It can be forgotten about. Like, I I had this when I was a kid when I was like, there's gotta be more, you know, and I started getting really interested in the mystical side of things, the mysticism into you know, the mystery schools into just even like uh, myths and legends and you know, like vampires, werewolves, those types of things of which, you know, a lot of people get shunned for that type of, you know, that I got really interested in fantasy worlds and those types of things. You know, I played D and I, I, you know, played fantasy RPG video games. I got really into the Japanese uh, style of manga and anime, all of these things that ultimately defined who I, you know, started to be, but also who I started to surround myself with. I became very introverted because I was, I was convinced that I had to look into these things myself and there was no way that anyone else was going to share them for me. Cause I was just some poor family. You know, I was just, I was from a poor family, broken home farmer, you know, upbringing. I, there wasn't a lot of expectation for me, nor did I have a lot of expectations for what my life was going to be, you know? So this is what I'm talking about when I talk about patterns. Um, And so this picking tarot cards and to come up with topics, um, part of the cards I picked picked up this idea of patterns and the real topic for today, um, I'm hesitating on it because well, I believe I'm wholly inadequate to talk about this, but uh, it's it's what I got out of the cards. So we're going to go with it. Uh, We're going to talk about reincarnation. And um, yeah, yeah, we're gonna go there. The reason I'm talking about these patterns and these cycles and how you know the first stepping off point is to make your purpose to make your depression your own is because I think there's a misrepresentation of reincarnation. In fact, I think there's supposed to be a misrepresentation of reincarnation, or there was supposed to be. From the very beginning, the idea of reincarnation was supposed to be hidden, was supposed to be undefinable, was supposed to look differentiated, but it's always been around. We've just continually changed the stories behind it, the myths, the legends. We've we've talked about, it, and I, I mean, we as the royal, we have societies and cultures have talked about the idea of it, but it just the representation of it has changed over time. And some of the times it's been shunned and other times it's been reworked. And it's part of the big lie that I say about the big lie of creation came first. It's part of that story. So the cards I picked to get into that first, uh, to kind of figure out how I got here. Uh, the first card I picked was the Wheel of Fortune card. And uh, the Wheel of Fortune card is... Is typically symbolized by a woman holding up uh, a giant wheel, obviously, but this wheel is in representation of cycles. In it's in representation of patterns. That's where the you know the idea of patterns comes from. Uh, in this particular card that I have, uh, there's it's a wheel, but it's part of a, a gear set, so it's like a clockwork um, set. So it's you know this this constant churning of time and cycles and it's a representation of looking at that, looking at what are the cycles we keep going through? What are the patterns we keep be, being presented with? What changes or choices are we making in regards to that? Are, are, we, being, being, are we being aware of it? Um, and then the second card I chose, well, didn't say chose, popped out of the deck, um, was the Three of Cups. And this one's stymied me for a second because I was like, "Well, all right. Well, the three of cups is represented um, typically by some people. In this case, three women celebrating together, you know, clinking cups together and revels, and and it, it it's a representation of friends. And at the very surface level, it's a representation of friends, and you know. In some cases, you know, community, but really it's a representation of group and it's a representation of tribal group, your people. That's the representation of it. It's not, you know, we often, we live in a society that's a little bit more extroverted as far as what we think is normal, what we think is required. You know, that that social interaction is a requirement and that's correct and incorrect at the same time. Social interaction is required to go to the store, to do business, to uh, be an employee, to even be uh, a boss or an owner. It's not a requirement for a person in my personal opinion. I'm a very introverted person who does a lot of very positive, very healthy things on my own by myself. I enjoy the company of no one. I enjoy being able to just be me with me. My tribe is very, very small. I don't have a very lot of, I don't have many close friends and the close friends I do have, most people would be like, are they really close friends of yours? Cause I don't interact with them regularly. I might text them once or twice a month. I might see them once every three, six months, you know, I don't keep a close circle like that. A lot of my socialization, a lot of my, you know, dealings with people come in a business standpoint. I'm a licensed massage therapist. I do body work. I help people in that regard. So I'm constantly interacting with people all the time. But when it comes to my own personal tribe, me, my tribe, my people, the people, you know, my revelry, you know, if I looked at the three cups, the people I would celebrate with is typically myself. And that's no offense to anyone else. It's just how I am. If I'm going to celebrate my efforts, it's going to be with myself because I I look at my patterns. I, you know, I look at my cycles and my cycle has always been, I'm my worst enemy and my greatest friend. I'm I'm my own duality in that sense, my trinity, if you will. So we have this cycles and patterns and looking deeper and then also looking at outward and inward at the same time with the three of cups who would you celebrate with what does your tribe look like and beyond that to a more defined state if we look at if we look at this card if we look at what's going on here yes there's these three ladies they each have a different hair color and you know but they each have the same cup they each have the same dress. Each one has their own little defined nuances of, you know, this one's wearing a bow here and this one's wearing some flowers there. This one's, you know, the hairstyle is different, like I said. But it's a it's coordinated. It's a tribe. These people are tribal. These people, this is their tribe. And I've spoken about tribes before and how we are tribal by nature. And in fact, I think we're going back to that representation of tribe over other things. We've gone through some explosions and some contractions in society. One of the major explosions we've been through is the internet. And before I delve too deep into that, we're going to come back to that idea. As we talk about reincarnation here, I want to make it on the very forefront that yes, reincarnation is a spiritual thing, but spirituality isn't a life death thing. You don't need to die to reincarnate. That might be part of it, but we need to we need to pull back some of the layers, some of the secrets, get rid of some of the pre-connotations. Remember, take connotation out of things. That's what I like to do. We can have reincarnation in and of ourselves in this lifetime. And there's been studies on that. Um, and I don't mean like clinical studies or research that's what a lot of spiritual practices have looked at. Um, Buddhism looks at that Zen Buddhism in particular, they just don't necessarily call it a reincarnation in this life. Jainism, which is the all what I would consider the ultimate study of Dharma, karma, and those reincarnation cycles. Um, The American Indians or just the native or, you know, There's a better term for that, but I'll stand... I will try not to stand on that soapbox. Uh, The sovereign Americans, if you will. Um, They have cyclical reincarnations. um, In some of the Spanish communities, specifically in the... If you go to Mexico, we have things like the Quinceanero uh, turning 15. That's like a a rebirth uh, in the... Judaic population, um, in the Hebrew culture, you know, they have the, um, oh, I'm blanking on words today. I apologize. Uh, Bar Mitzvah and bat Mitzvah, Bat Mitzvah and Bar Mitzvah. Um, we have kind of the American culture of celebrating, like turning 21, you know, be the drinking age. It's all bullshit, but, um, but we have these 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 points, and that's what the... So we have the Wheel of Fortune, and then we have these celebratory moments with tribe, right? These are kind of moments of cycles and patterns, but recognizing them. And then after that, I pulled the Page of Cups. And this is where I started to key into the reincarnation thing a little bit. The Page of Cups is a representation of... Um, it's this guy just kind of standing here and he's got this cup. Just one cup. And there's this water spirit inside this cup. His eyes are closed and he's really just taking in what's happening. And that's what the Page of Cups represents. The Page of Cups represents like that first experience of an emotion. Because cups are are representation of uh, emotions. uh, Water, of um, feelings. Those types of Interactions, and the page of cups is the representation of like the first time, the first time we experience these things, like the first time the kid experiences candy, <laughs> the first time a teenager experiences you know that confusing state of love and lust, and um, the first time we experience true joy and and those types of ideas. It's it's the first experience of it. And then, you know, so I got through these cards and I was, I was still a little confused at this point. And then ultimately the cards decided to really confuse me. And I pulled the sun card and the sun card is a very straightforward card. The sun card is joy. It's, it's peace. It's, um, it's also a narrowed focus though. The sun in this car, there's these two children they're, running in a field, not a field, but like running in a, you know, a nice little uh, yard situation with these sunflowers and, you know, they're have a flower crown and the girl's holding a little flower. And in the background, there's, in this particular card, there's what looks like either a stone path that's leading away into the, into the horizon line Or a stone wall. And the sun is like radiantly burning away like everything. So like everything in the card is warped to look like it's all being either sucked into the sun or the sun is just pushing like just its rays are just shining through. And the sun has a face. And that face is very intimidating. Very like Jester-esque of you know like looking into or looking through. It, It could be mistrewn as cynical or there's just a lot of ways to interpret the face in the sun card. This idea is this tunneling. So the sun card represents joy and, and and a great period of fruition and, and fortune, right? So we go to the wheel of fortune. This would be like a representation of like, Oh, fortune came and here it is. But to represent and understand it, to look at it, everything else gets burned away. So all of these cards together, have a representation of reincarnation. So let's get into some definitions as I usually do. We'll start with the definition of reincarnation. We're going to quickly come off of it because again, I am wholly inadequate to talk about what reincarnation really is, but I wanted to I want to represent the idea of what it means what it re- like what it truly is what the teachings i've been presented with and what the teachings i've heard others talk about and their understanding of it really combines into it, what boils into what what it the amalgamation of it the 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 re- incarnation of it if you will so reincarnation merriam webster's dictionary is the action of reincarnating the state of being reincarnated okay Rebirth in new bodies or forms of life. The second definition is a little bit more important because that's the specifics. Yeah. Reincarnation to reincarnate. And that means something different for everyone, which is why it's a part of spirituality. Our understanding of what this reincarnation is. And I know I'm saying that, and some people might be stepping back and going, well, not everybody believes in reincarnation. I don't believe that's true. I believe a majority of people do. I believe all the Abrahamic religions believe in reincarnation in some method, form or function. We'll get into that. Just like we're going to get into the whole internet thing and what that meant for society. So the, uh, the second definition merriam Miriam Webster's dictionary for reincarnation is a fresh embodiment, a fresh embodiment. By that definition, getting in the shower and getting out of the shower is a fresh embodiment of a new clean skin. Hmm. Feels good. Feels nice, right? Or sunbathing, just going out and getting some sun and, you know, those types of things. These are reincarnated moments. These are re-embodiments. In fact, to have an out-of-body experience and then to come back is a reincarnation by definition. See how this gets a little bit broader than a lot of people can consider it? So let's give it a little bit more definition to get a better sense of, you know, what we're talking about. So reincarnation is to reincarnate, right? Well, what's an incarnate? to be incarnate. We we've used that term in in the fantasy world that gets used a lot, you know, fantasy writing, um, and D &D, and D incarnate of something, you know, a spirit can be incarnate. Um, we can have the, the, another word, which is the embodiment of, and that's part of the definition here. So the definition for incarnate invested with bodily and especially human nature and form. Okay. Made manifest or comprehensible to be embodied. That's, that's the one. Made manifest or comprehensible to be embodied. And obviously, you know, to give body to something is the definition of embody. But, and typically, it's to have human form, sort of, style. Um, that's the adjective. And to be fair here, we need to go into what's, um, I'm sorry, that's, yeah, so incarnate. So the verb incarnate is to make incarnate or to give bodily form to, to give a concrete or actual form to, to constitute or, or an embodiment of type of. So that's where it gets, you know, that definement of something specific, something defined as been given form, but specifically kind of more of a human embodiment. So this is more human natured. So again, getting into the shower, you're now embodying, your you're embodying now a clean person. Going to the gym, you're now embodying a health and wellness person, a mentality, a mental state. So as I've done before many times, I break out self into the three health bodies, the physical body, the mental body, and the spiritual body. We can have a reincarnation of all three. And the reincarnations that typically happen in a lifetime, in my personal opinion, are the ones that happen with the body and the mind. Going to school and eventually graduating from high school or college or going to a trade school or just sitting through a a lecture series, listening to a podcast series, those are all reincarnations of the mind. You are now broadening your spectrum of understanding. You've looked at a new way of interpreting the wheel of fortune, interpreting the patterns, interpreting the functions. You've built a new vernacular. You've come up with a new vocabulary. You have a better understanding of something. This is a reincarnation of the mind. Education not indoctrination of education, just educating yourself, learning better, better than using the word education. Using the word learning is a reincarnation of the mind. A reincarnation for the body is something we do with it. We might, you know, take up a martial art. We might learn how to play the piano. We might um, learn how to sew or cook, you know, make a certain recipe or a meal. We might you know go to the gym we could anytime we do something that's changing the body it's technically a reincarnation of the body in fact i talked about last episode how every 7 to 11 years we know the human system through apoptosis has changed over all our cells you are literally all new cells about every 7 to 11 years that's a reincarnation of the physical body you've now reincarnated embodied a new system of cells, a new body itself. Just growing up, we do that, from going from a little tiny kid to a big adult. These are the reincarnations that happen throughout a lifetime in this body. But until you separate that understanding, until you separate looking at, okay, I'm a physical body, I'm a mental body and I'm a spiritual body. We can't notice them. So a lot of the conversation on reincarnation in all of the spiritual side of it has the other side, as above, so below. So when we talk about spiritual reincarnation, we're also talking about physical reincarnation, mental reincarnation. They go together, but each one can have its own separate understanding. Just like when I talk about cycles and I talk about the primordials and we have, you know, chaos, creation, order, and destruction, each of them has its own cycle inside of itself, but they are together their own cycle. Reincarnation is very similar. Reincarnation itself is a cycle. It is a representation of the chaos, creation, order, and destruction cycles on a very big, broad scale, as we usually talk about it, but also on a very small, minute scale of just the cellular tissue in our bodies just getting remade, you know, using the telomere to, uh, so quick rant. Our cells in our bodies have these things known as telomeres. Telomeres are these like, consider them like a little tail. Um, but the the telomere is the encoded information for the cell to go through. Uh, let me not dumb this down, but let me just pick some choice words to make it a little easier. Cells separate and divide. they, you know, make more cells. But when a cell separates and divides, it passes on that genetical coding to the next cell. So that cell can take over what it was doing. And then what happens is this thing known as apoptosis, which is the death of the previous cell. So as the cell splits, those cells, you know, as they split, the old cell is technically dying. Um, And a part of that gets apoptosis and out the door you go. So this telomere gives off that genetic coding and every time you snip off a little bit of the telomere to give to the next one it shortens and eventually that shortening of the telomere is a really good representation of actual physical genetical age you know as we get older our telomeres shorten so part of the research they're doing now for life lengthening stuff is to how do you keep the telomeres long so that the cells can reproduce and, and you know separate and divide and but in more perpetuity, the longevity of the system. So, just that alone is technically a reincarnation, physically. But we've often represented reincarnation spiritually. And it too, just like the telomere length, is kind of kind of the same story. And that story is used throughout human history, throughout human cultures, different religious structures, different understandings of death, different understandings of life. And this is where I believe I'm wholly inadequate to talk about this because this is something that becomes so very personal that I implore you to go look at all of the different possible understandings but then to define your own. I define reincarnation again as as a possibility of becoming something new to re-embody to work inside of understanding I'm not going to be stuck in this cyclical wheel of fortune cycle doing the same thing over and over again because that's the warning that comes along with the wheel of fortune card is the definition of insanity is to do something over and over again with the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's the warning of the wheel of fortune card is if you keep doing the same cycle over and over and over again with expecting something different is going to occur. That's insane. And it's the warning here is you, you have to come up with a new perspective. You have to come up with a new method or a new understanding, a new idea. And that's, That's part of the fool's journey in in the tarot cards and the tarot cards. You know, when I talk about the major arcana, I think I've done before the major arcana and the tarot cards represent, it's a story. It's almost a story of reincarnation. It's a story of this fool. We're all represented as the fool. And the fool is often, you know, in the, in the deck I use is uh, this jester esque individual who is carrying like a backpack where it's very simple clothing for the most part, you know, there's nothing very ornate or defined about it. A little bit of individuality, but is going on this journey to discover themselves. And they're going to be presented with all sorts of different things. One of the things on the path they're going to be presented with is the wheel of fortune is to look at these cycles. So this is part of the story of reincarnation. And the reason these cards brought me to this is our tribes often define what we believe in that set. So I was talking about the sovereign, you know, Americans, native Americans as they're usually called. They have one story of what happens life and death. And in some instances they believe in a reincarnation and that reincarnation in their eyes can be multifaceted. It can be a reincarnation as a another thing. So every different reincarnation system or or understanding thereof incorporates all sorts of different factors. If we look at Shinto, Shinto Buddhism, which is a spiritual Buddhism practice, they believe everything has a spirit trees, plants, animals, humans, everything has a spiritual nature to it. And they have things like Yonkai and, um, spirits that manifest themselves as evil presences or other presences. Um, this is the termination of ghosts and, you know, those types of entities and how a person in life can take on grudges and, and, what in other religions they might call the sinful natures, and they might build those up over time, and then during in the passing of the physical life and the death of the physical form, they don't move on to the spiritual realm, which is part of Shinto Buddhism. Is this understanding that there's a spiritual world? It's like a, almost like a, sometimes it's a mirror world in some understandings of ours. They don't pass on to that. Instead, they're stuck here in this world as a a. a dark, quote-unquote, entity or a, a malevolent entity. And that's a reincarnation. If we move on to the Abrahamic religions and we look at Christianity and we look at Islam, there's the death of the physical form. But that death's not the final piece. It's not the final piece of the story. In fact, in both instances, there's what's known as an a possibility of exaltation. Exaltation is to die for one's God, to have lived for and then died for one's God. Now, in both instances, they believe in a, a heaven of sorts. Now, it's important to note that Judaism does not believe in a heaven. Uh, they have a different understanding of that idea. But in Christianity it's often talked about as the kingdom of of heaven, the kingdom of God. And in all different understandings, you know, Protestants, uh, Catholics, Mennonites, even the Amish, um, name one of the secular cultures of Christianity. They all have an, a different understanding of what that kingdom entails. Um, in the Mennonite communities, which is what I was raised in, there's a, you got to work for your salvation. And the more work you put in for your salvation, the greater your accompaniment will be in the kingdom of heaven, uh, the kingdom of God. In other understandings, there's different ways of living your life that will create different things. There's these like layers. So like we have Dante's Inferno, which talks about the, the layers of hell. There's also like hierarchy in heaven in some of the understandings where if you do this, you'll have a plain house in in the kingdom of the, your Lord and it'll just be a, a normal you know you're you're welcome to mingle with everyone and everyone's you know equal, but your house might not be as ornate or you won't live on the golden path or it gets very complicated and the understandings are, are very broad. but that in and of itself is a reincarnation. That's what I'm getting into here is, you know, in Islam, when someone dies and goes to heaven to be let into the realm of Allah is to be welcomed home into the embrace of Allah, to, to be unburdened with this physical life and then to take on the spiritual body to, to Go back to that. That's a reincarnation. You're you're going back to an embodiment of something else. If we go to Jainism and the understanding of dharma and karma, and we go into the philosophical Buddhisms, but we also go into like Taoism and Shinto Buddhism and uh, Hinduism. Um, which is not a Buddhism, but has Buddhist ideas, Hinduism, as I've said many times, is the way of the Hindu people. Uh, We start to see these actual ideas of reincarnation when it comes to this world and what that really means in the grand scheme of it all. That this is a heaven and you live in it. And this is your embodiment in that heaven. This is one of your embodiments in this heaven. And part of the cyclical nature of it all is to learn your lessons. This has gotten so twisted and torn apart and repatched together and interwoven and it's a fucking nightmare. To be completely honest, unpacking this is nightmaric at best. This is when I get into the argument with the whole love and light crowd and how they're just spouting out empty bullshit they could be spouting out greatness like a great idea they're just not giving any contextual not contextual they're not giving any any firmament they're not giving any definition to it you know you can't just spit out love and light you need to give a definition of what love looks like what light actually means what light is you know to give better understandings to better define better understand you know there's this clashing of science and spirituality and it doesn't need to be that way. You can use science. Science is a method of understanding. You can use that with spirituality. In fact, an experiment I'm doing is here with these cards and trying to divine what I'm supposed to be talking about through using the divination method of the tarot deck to give myself a system to work in to say, okay, here's my next topic for the next podcast episode and what I'm going to talk about. When it comes to reincarnation, a lot of people have taken that whole idea of karma and dharma and just made up their own fucking understandings of it, which have nothing to do with any basis of any of the religious texts or the non-religious texts, the philosophical texts, the spoken word ideas of, you know, these passed down stories, the canonical writings of Buddhism, uh, be it the lesser or greater canon, the Mahayana, the, the Vishnahana, the Mahayana looking at the Bible in and of its own self and how that's been pulled apart and the, you know, no one includes the Apocrypha or, uh, the sermons of different other individuals that were supposed to be in there, the representation of paganism and how that's been modified over many different forms. One, the first modification of paganism was to modify it into Christianity. The, All of these different subsets and ideas and we've just, we've ripped them apart. And again, we're trying to put a patchwork quilt together and that's great, except it's coming with a lot of willful ignorance. There's a lot of people who know they don't know what they're talking about and they're talking about it anyway. And that's evil. That is the actual definition of evil. My, my personal opinion, willful ignorance is evil. You're trying to mislead. You're trying to miscommunicate. You're trying to coerce is why intentions are so, it's so important to pay attention to someone's intentions. It often gets misrepresented because we don't want to look at the commonalities. One of these commonalities is this thing known as fate. And I'm going to give you the definition of fate, but we're going to, we're going to kind of, piece it together with some of the other ways of thinking about this. So the definition of fate, Merriam-Webster's dictionary is the will or principle or determining cause by which things in general are believed to come to be as they are or events to happen as they do. Let's just, let's go with something a little bit easier here. Uh, an inevitable and often adverse outcome condition or end. There's that idea of inevitability. Um, it's it's a representation of patterns. That's what fate is. Fate is a representation of patterns. We forget sometimes that in antiquity every spiritual understanding, every single one talked about this idea of fate. There are tons of representations of the spiritual advisors of the communities and how they had an understanding of fate or talked about this idea of fate. You know, if we just take, uh, in the Greek mythos, we have Atropos, Clotho, and uh, I think it's Lechisis or the Le- Lechisis. Um, these were the three goddesses of fate. They were the fates, the plural. And the fates, aren't just represented in that. They're also represented in other pantheons of gods who were gods of fate or a group, it's typically a group. There's usually three um, that define fate, weave the threads of fate. But those stories have been kind of forgotten in the sense of, you know, the, the fates were not only weaving the threads of fates, but they were reading the threads of fate. And the woven cloth that comes from that is the recording of history. It gets very complicated. And that's why I believe I'm wholly inadequate to talk about this subject because it's so ridiculously <laughs> broken. The idea of reincarnation is broken. Just if we just look at Jainism. Right. So in modern society today, a lot of times, you know, if somebody gets cut off in traffic and then that person gets pulled over, they go, ah, that's karma, instant karma. Karma is not an instant idea. Karma is a macrocosm idea, it's a multiple lifetimes, multiple adherences to the wheels of fate. uh, I'm sorry, the wheels of fortune, adhering to one's fate, learning one's lessons. Figuring out one's tribe, expressing, you know, their learning situation through that tribe, having multiple times where they, they have that first instance of, of feeling that first emotion or feeling. And then the, the burning away from the sun, the, to the, the light of the sun and understanding what it is to be true, to be light. That is the seeking of reincarnation. In fact, in Jainism, if we look at another word, which I've brought up before, there's this thing known as Dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A. Comparatively to karma, Dharma is the microcosm. Dharma is the daily activities. It's the effort we put in. Dharma is what happens when someone cuts you off in traffic and then they get pulled over. That's Dharma. Dharma typically rules the laws of a society. They're dharmic. They're in pertaining to the methodologies in which a society should conduct itself. Protecting the children. Educating the children. Teaching the children. Raising them. And then as you become that reincarnation into the dharmic cycle, then you go from the child to the the youth. And then we train the youth. We teach the children, we train the youth. And then as we train the youth, the youth transition into adulthood, there's multiple stages of that adulthood. It's not just, oh, you're an adult now. Yay. This is actually pertinent in many different understandings and the Shaolin methods, they constantly teach three stages of life. And these stages of life didn't used to be so short. It used to be 60 years was a cycle. It's a long time. You'd be 180 by the time you die. Um, then I, then again, kind of got shortened down to 30 and there was a 45 stage, but it was these long cycles. And the first cycle is known as earth. It's the earth cycle. And then you have the human cycle and then you have the heaven cycle. And this is represented in their, in traditional Chinese medicine and the traditional Chinese method of understanding the Taoists use this of their Shen spirit, Chi and Jing. And the representation there would be Jing is earth. Chi is human. Shen is spirit. for one to become a master of something, they must be at least be into the human stage of it. A grandmaster or a sage, that's Shen. Godhood was Shen. It was spirit. You could have the embodiment of a living God. Almost every ancient practice had embodiments of living gods. In the north. Norse pantheon, the gods were human or representation of having an embodiment. The gods had an incarnation on this plane. That was one of the most important things the Christians took from the pagans was to have a God who was human, had a human embodiment. In the Egyptian pantheon, the gods could embody themselves here on this plane, on this earth and walk among us. But it was no, it was noticeably different. This is the representation of the gods having physical human forms with a God head. It's a very important topic. Um, you know, so you'd have Osiris and, you know, would have the, um, head of a, it's not, it's not an Eagle. I can't remember the bird. I apologize. Um, but, you know, that's... Or Bastet, Um She was an embodiment of... She took on a cat head, but a human form. Um, so you, you have that. But, you know, in the North Pantheon, you have Odin, Freya, Thor, Loki, and they would take on human form. But they walked among us. In the Greek Pantheon, you had a little bit of a separation. You had the demigods, which were the embodiment of a God in a human form, a birth of a God and a human combined. All of these different representations. If we step over into the Eastern cultures, we have the massive pantheon of the spiritual side of uh, the Chinese culture and the vast array of gods and semi-gods and, uh, all of these different understandings and the spiritual world that goes on with that. If you look at Shinto Buddhism with everything has a spirit, but if you look at um, just the Japanese culture in general, very connected to the idea of, Oh, there's this embodiment of other things. This is actually where Zen Buddhism, not a spiritual practice, but if we start to look at things a little bit deeper, almost everything is spiritual by that nature. Your understanding of it comes from that. Zen and Chan Buddhism, greater, uh, lesser and greater canon understandings. In Zen Buddhism, it's a very much an understanding of I'm a part of everything. In Chan Buddhism, it's a little bit the other way. It's everything's a part of me. But it's this understanding that in and out, microcosm, macrocosm. There's an embodiment. And in fact, in the Buddhist canons, uh, the canons are the canonical writings. And the canonical writings are made up of a lot of um, analytical, but also, um, that's the word I'm looking with, looking for, um, anecdotal writings on on topics. These are stories. Um, It's no different than the canonical record of Christianity or Islam, the stories of their saviors, you know, Jesus, Muhammad. Um, those, those are canonical writings, and they're anecdotal stories. To, to make, uh, I believe the word that's usually tossed around in the, in the Christian communities is a parable these are stories to learn from, but they're told in a human embodiment. You're a, you're a human experiencing these things. That was the most important thing, I guess, in my personal opinion, that the Christians and the, the Abrahamic religions took from the pagans and polytheistic methods, I should say. Was this idea of ah, the savior God should have a physical embodiment as a human, or in some representation of a human because it's important for us to be able to connect to that? But also, we talk about these three health bodies: the physical form. Okay, we got that one down. We're going to have a physical savior. That's a representation of that. We have a mind. Mm, The mind's going to be the connection to the other, all the stuff that's going to be God themselves. And then we need a, we need a third piece. We need a spiritual piece. And that spiritual piece needs to be separated because that spiritual piece is the power of someone in this physical form. And that's where I'm, that's where I'm going to digest a little bit here and, and kind of insert some of my own understandings of what I've learned and this is why I say the creation lie is the biggest lie. We're going to separate what happens after this physical death. And we're going to create this idea of there's a spiritual thing in Christianity. It's called the spirits. We have the, the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't remember the specific representation of in Islam, but Islam has a very specific representation of the angels and where they are. What they do. Uh, Judaism has something very similar, but this has to do with the differentiation of the Torah, the Talmud, and the Zohar, um, which I won't get into right now. But these spiritual places, these other embodiments were separated to another place. And there was no way for us to connect to that without death of the physical form. And that was a very big distinction comparatively. If you look at something like the North Pantheon. And the understanding of Valhalla. That's also misconstrued quite a bit. Modern pop culture with, you know, the Vikings TV show and all that stuff. Very few people got selected to go to Valhalla. It's, you could think of Valhalla like the NBA. couple, what, like a thousand total? I don't know how many players are on each team and how many teams there are, but like it's the NBA. And but beyond that, though, there could be what was kind of known as God-touched or, or, or a, a person currently living, not dead, that could experience an interaction with gods. The Greek pantheon is probably one of the best representations of this because that was having your own little, you know, inside your own domai, your domicile, You'd have a little altar to your God of, you know, the God you quote unquote worshiped or exalted or, or the God you defined with. You know, if you were a farmer out in the, you know, boonies from, you know, the the bigger cities, you'd worship the God of the harvest. That's what your community was all about, was worshiping the God of the harvest. And that representation brings us into one of the most important topics when we talk about reincarnation. Reincarnation has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with understanding. And religions are a method of understanding reincarnation. Reincarnation is the representation of the wheel of fortune, the cycles we go through all the time. Some understandings have it that we reincarnate multiple times on this earth as different physical forms so that our spiritual bodies that never are destroyed, that are always constantly evolving, can do that, can evolve. In the scientific methodology of it, it would be to increase one's frequency, one's vibrational state. This is where the giant disconnect comes when we talk about all these things in the love and light community and the breathy guru douchebags out there who have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. And they keep spouting off about all of these like great things and they just keep destroying the real important parts of these things. The really important understandings that could come from these stories from these anecdotal canonical writings that could come from this 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 place of no connotation that i try to, to to bring into fruition the story of reincarnation is the story of giving purpose to what we do here and remember i said last episode the first thing on the on the on the Road to self-awareness. The first thing on controlling our mental health. First thing to understanding our depression is to have the purpose of making your depression, your own. This is why the creation story was a lie. The story that creation came first is the story of control. It's, not allowing your depression to be yours and instead to be defined by something else, defined by a religion, defined by a society, a community, a culture. Those are all byproducts of the tribe of the three of cups. It's a choice. Your tribe is your choice and we have a lot of new age thinking that's trying to define this but i believe they're they're doing good and bad at the same time and they need to police themselves a little bit better when someone talks about their soul tribe that's a word that uh, two words that get thrown around together it's important and not important at the same time so people talk about soul tribes and how in this incarnation in this this life, you'll be drawn back to people who you've known in other lives. And you'll have some spiritual connection with them because you've interacted before. I like that. I do. This is what we talk about soulmates and twin flames and all these other words that get tossed around in the spiritual community in that sense. Where I believe it goes wrong is when they talk about the other lives, the other experiences. That, oh, I knew you in a past life. It's like looking at shadows. If that's the option you go with, you're never gonna break the wheel of fortune cycle. You can interact with your tribe. That's fine. And there could be these things known as soul tribes. That's great. It's totally possible. I'm not here to say that's right or wrong. People are gonna make up their own mind on that. And you should make up your own mind on that. Remember, never let someone else tell you what to believe. Believe what you decidedly believe. But don't just willy nilly believe stuff. Like look at it. Does it fit with you? Does it resonate? If you put yourself in the place of just looking at shadows, and that's what past lives are, they're shadows you're just going to chase your own shadow and you'll never learn anything from it. So it's okay to like make these comments. It's okay to have these beliefs and, you know, have faith in these ideas. What we do with it is the most important part now. And as people are opening up to it, as people are quote unquote waking up, the community as a whole who do understand these things need to do a better job teaching it and do a better job explaining things like reincarnation because it's not just one understanding. There is not just one right method. The answer is there's no answer. We haven't been given one yet. We're still searching for it. So when people talk about, and this is where I might lose some people, so I'm going to go with it anyway. When people talk about star seeds and, you know, having lived on other planets and now they're living here and these are shadows. They have nothing to do with this life. Their understandings of what may have been a representation of yourself or someone you knew. But for that to define and drive this life, you're now living in the past. You haven't learned any lessons yet. This is an entrapment. Reincarnation is an entrapment. And this is where I'm going to piss some people off. Reincarnation is part of the creation line. The misrepresentation of what reincarnation really is is unfathomably evil to me. Because the definition reincarnation has been given is that it's quackery. It's bullshit. There's no no multiple lives. There's no... None of that. Whole wars have been fought over this idea. I mean, it is the war of the Abrahamic religions. The Crusades were a war about reincarnation on paper. In reality, it was a land grab and a bunch of stupidity. But the fight that occurred, and this was a bloody, brutal... Thousands of people died. Overall, millions of people's lives were changed over a story of reincarnation. Whose savior was the true incarnate of the true God? The true understanding of it. if you move to the Brahmins, the priesthood of India and their understanding of what reincarnation was, and this is a massively just like a huge defining situation in human history and culture, you get the result of Buddhism which I've said before is a philosophical understanding and not a spiritual practice. Spiritual practice can be added on top, but it's a philosophical understanding first. This is why you can have a a Buddhist Christian. You can have a Muslim Christian. You can have, a any, anything. You can have a Buddhist, anything. It's a philosophical understanding, kind of like stoicism, philosophical understanding. This, story that spread through the West was a fight over incarnation. The story that spread through the East was a warning about reincarnation. It's a very important distinction. Massive, massively important distinction. And it comes down to this little thing I've been using known as the tarot deck. is a representation of it the first representation of the tarot decks the, or playing cards, which is what the tarot decks, well, sorry, playing cards are based off the tarot decks. The tarot decks themselves come from the Crusades. They existed before that, but not in Western society. Western society had gone through the dark ages. They had killed off their representation of spiritual divinatory practice They had created the church, killed the pagans, run them out of town, witch hunts, whole nine. This is why reincarnation is part of that cycle. It's part of that lie because the crusades happen and all these Western soldiers go into the East. The Occident travel the Silk Road, they head to Israel. They went farther too. And they're met with this world of divinatory practices and other cultures and other religions and more than just the fight between Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. They meet the gypsies, which are these traveling merchant groups, traveling communities that are just living their lives. And the gypsies are one of the testaments to original understanding. And although it had been passed down typically verbally, For a very long time. Yes there's some things missing. But they're a pretty darn good representation. Of the old priesthoods. From the Egyptian mystery schools. Which. Pervade all mystery schools. And if you want to go a little bit farther. And you want to get into some. Not conspiracy. But conjecture. Or some possibility. These are the schools from Atlantis. These are the priesthoods from Atlantis. Atlantia and the luminarians and that whole fight and the possibility of what true human history actually is that we don't really know about. The gypsies are probably the best representation of what the original understandings could have been. It's been lost now. No offense to the gypsy communities now, but over time these things degrade. It's like the whisper down the lane thing, but they're probably still one of the closer representations of the old true priesthoods and the understanding of the divination practice. Now we've made gypsy culture a little bit, romanticized in modern society, but there are still true gypsy communities and they are amazing. I really don't have a bet. Amazing. is not even a good enough word. These are people with intrinsical understandings of the genetic nature of who they are, what community means, what society means, what culture means, what the old world was. And in the story of the Crusades, and you have these Christian soldiers that go off to fight this war, which was a mess, they encounter these individuals. And one of the things these individuals do is they tell fortunes, they have this thing known as the tarot deck. Can tell a soldier's fortune. They can tell you, like, should you turn around right now and go home to your family before you're cut down in battle tomorrow? This is something a young Christian warrior would want to know. But it's absolute blasphemy. But they do it anyway, because humans are curious. And so they're introduced to these tarot cards. And one of the one of the cultures that are best represented by this are the French. Because the French warriors who fought in the crusade were they were the most influenced by the pagan communities because although France was a bastion for the the Christian idea or understanding of the stories they were often interacting with the pagan communities. In fact, it's one of the uh, first representations where pagans started to convert into Christians. And, you know, they lived kind of symbiotically a little bit, but they also fought massively. Um, So this group of people are more, more open to the divinatory practices. They've seen people throw runes and and go through, you know, spiritual um, ritual. So they get interested in these things and there's the tarot decks. And out of curiosity, they bring them home with them. But they've also learned different games you can play with this. And they get dumbed down a little bit. And that's how we get playing cards, essentially. the The deck of the, you know, 52 card deck of playing cards. And I'm I'm making this all very simple and very dumbed down, but it's kind of the general idea here. In that story, we can see the beginnings of the lie. Because it gets hidden. The tarot cards become the new 52 card playing deck. So we have playing cards and we make games out of those. But we still have this representation of these divinatory items that would technically be blasphemy in the tarot deck. And the tarot deck tells a story of reincarnation. It tells a story of the fool going on a journey to better understand themselves and then being reborn in this life or another. And so instead of being reborn into the kingdom of a God, the one and true holy God, as they would have been taught, they can have reincarnation in this life. And that gives hope to people. And hope is a very dangerous topic when it comes to control structures. Part of the creation lie is to say that everyone is sinful and that you cannot not be sinful. It almost like you were born that way. This is the separation of chaos to creation. There is no such thing as sinful nature in chaos. That is a structure. That is a created structure, defining system, to make something sinful. This is the argument of all of the old gods and new gods the argument of the Pantheon. If we look at the Norse Pantheon, it's the Asgardians to the Asmirans. I might have Asmirans incorrect. I apologize if I have the incorrect. Sometimes I forget that one the wrong way. But you have the Asgardians, which are like, quote unquote, the good gods. And then you have the Asmir, who are the, you know, like, quote unquote, bad gods. You know, it's the separation of all the, every Pantheon has had a separation and every pantheon tells the story that the tarot deck tells of a rebirth, a reincarnation in the Egyptian story. That is how we get the story of Osiris and Ra. Osiris is killed and his body is spread all across the land. And then, um, why can't I remember her name? I always do this with names, uh, terrible with names, great with faces. Um, Osiris's lover, who I really should remember her name, um, she's the god of, uh, anyway, she goes and collects all, his, all the pieces of his body and he's reborn, but now he's the god of the underworld, the god of death. Well, he's not the god of the underworld, but he's the god of death now. Um, and so we have all of these stories of what happens after our physical bodies die. But in those stories, there's also stories of reincarnation in this physical world, in this physical life. So reincarnation becomes this weird topic that we've shunted and then we, you know we tore it apart and then we created new understandings of it. like the only thing that was ever reincarnated was you know the, the saviors. and that's not even really true because we're not really sure that even like if you know did they actually really die? We don't know. The stories are a little vague. So we also, so going back to the life of creation, we have this warning that all of the Eastern cultures had. That reincarnation is a trap. It's an entrapment. It's a cycle you don't want to be a part of. You don't want to be stuck in reincarnation. It's a bad thing. It means you haven't gotten anything right. You haven't increased your vibration. You have increased your frequency. You haven't learned your lessons as a spiritual creature that you're stuck to having these embodiments. This is the greatest warning that comes with Hermes Trismegistus' statement, the thrice great Hermes, as above, so below. Dante's Inferno is not just a story about the levels of hell. It's a warning that these levels also exist in what's known as the heavens. That there are these levels, these cycles, these... Things you must be careful of so that you don't get stuck there. Dante's Inferno is a story of that. Everything has a duality. Dante's Inferno's duality is that's just a measurement of their health. They also exist in the heavens. That you can get stuck in one level or another. And maybe you can't go up or down. This is the falling of different pantheons, the separation. As we have fallen angels, if you will. That story only gets told by the victor, not by the loser. The loser hides history. I've said that before. Victors write history, losers hide it. the whole story of there's these fallen angels who are demons now. They're coming for your souls. It's kind of preposterous. It's a warning. Dante's Inferno, warning. The reincarnation cycles, warning. We're just not heeding the warnings. Instead, we're allowing other people to tell us what the story is, what the, what we're supposed to be doing, what our purpose is. And that's why I say now, after it took me forever to figure it out, the first thing on the, on the road to self-awareness, the first thing on the road to understanding our mental health, the first thing on the road to understanding our spirituality is to make our purpose, making our depression our own. Once that occurs, now we can start looking at all these different stories And we can decide, do I believe them? Do I not believe them? And in doing that, we have gone through the road of the tarot deck. The fool going through and meeting all of the different major arcana. I'll actually get it out and I'll read some so we can go through them here. I won't give a breakdown of what each one of them is, but we'll go over them. Um, So... We have we start with the fool, and then the Fool goes and meets the magician, and then the High Priestess and the Empress, and then the Emperor, and then the Hierophant, and the Lovers. The Chariot, Strength, The Hermit, the Wheel of Fortune, as we've discussed today, Justice, the Hanged Man, which I talked about in the last episode, Death, Temperance, the Devil, the Tower, the Star, the Moon, the Sun. Judgment, the world, and that's it. Then we go into the minor arcana. Each one of those major arcana is a representation of a reincarnation. It's a representation in which the fool gets to learn about themselves, gets to understand something new, or fail and continue down the path of all the things that it's gotten wrong. And ultimately, once the fool goes through its journey and gets to the world That's their biggest reincarnation. And they start all over again. Just as the student becomes a teacher and the teacher becomes a master, just as the kid learning how to play the piano goes from dink, dink, dink and learning their scales to maybe creating their own free flow form all of the effort we put into our embodiments defines what happens with them. But we've put a war on effort. We've, we've disregarded it. And so we have to look towards some of the Eastern cultures and the representation of, hey, reincarnation is a trap. If you get stuck in that cycle, you're just stuck there. You're never going to get out. Is that really where you want to be? Do we really want to perpetuate the idea of warfare? Because it makes people millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Do we want to allow that as a society? Is that something we want to have? Do we want to allow spiritual leaders to create more divisiveness by saying that one religion is better than another? The ultimate testament to what that looks like, if I was going to give you an example, what that looks like in modern society is not talking to someone because they drink Pepsi and you drink Coke. Or not talking to someone because they drink soda and you don't. To not doing business with someone because the color of their skin is different than yours. That's where these things lead. That's why the creation thing is a lie to me. That that creation was the first thing is a lie. Because creation is a defining of structures. And a leaving behind of infinite possibilities. We must allow that idea of the creation being the first thing to die. We must order the idea that that's not true and let's allow it to be destroyed as an understanding. And instead, start with infinite possibility as the beginning. That chaos was was first. It always will be first. It'll always be last. It's the cycle. And that's the, that's the, that's the warning of reincarnation. the, The warning of reincarnation is if you don't allow chaos to be the first thing, you'll never be anything. Because chaos is infinite possibility. And if you don't believe in infinite possibility, you'll always just be what you are right now. And it'll never change. Little thing here, little thing there. You'll never be more. You'll never be less. And I guess some people might be comfortable with that idea, but if we look at the grand scheme of it, that's a dangerous position. We can't live in modern societies in that method. In fact, if we look at someone like... um, Uh, a futurist. He was just on Joe Rogan, actually. Um, shout out to Joe Rogan. I'll <laughs> have him on the podcast. That'd be great. Never going to happen. I'm um, not that important. Um, no, never say never. Right. But uh, Michio Kaku, I believe is his name. Uh, he's a futurist. And I don't agree with everything he says, but Michio Kaku, that's it. Not Akaku, Michio Kaku. Um He talks about how if we progress down the path we're on right you know it, there's these different representations of classes of a, of a of a society or classes of a, um, a species and we're coming close to being a first class species and a first class species is someone who's in control of their planet and you know and controls the weather controls geometrical procession of the magnetic fields that everything exists inside of and can control the ether to an extent. And then there's, you know, class two, which is, you know, being able to kind of use that in the solar system and travel through the stars a little bit. And then class three is like, you can blip between galaxies and stuff. But if that's, if Star Trek is where we want to go, conversations that need to happen now is we gotta, we gotta leave some stuff behind. We have to, Get out of that reincarnation cycle. The death life cycle. The perpetual war cycle. In fact, one of my favorite animes... um, Yeah, I guess it's one of my favorite, A really good anime that I've always kind of uh, enjoyed. Uh, Actually just had a a new version come out, which is uh, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell is a very... The reason I like Ghost in the Shell is it's a very mental game kind of anime. It really makes you think about societal structures. A lot of sci-fi does that. And I think Ghost in the Shell is one of the greatest representations of sci-fi storytelling. What could society look like if these things happen? You know, that cyberpunk-esque idea or uh, genre you know, possible dystopian future situations, what integration of technology will look like. Michio Kaku gets, gets into this a lot is in all of the work he's done of, you know, he's a futurist. He, he tries to look at the representation of how will technology integrate to the human system? How will technology integrate and change society and all these different things? And Ghost in the Shell is a great anime that really, really makes you think about, those types of things. And the most uh, recent iteration on Netflix brings up this topic known as perpetual war and how perpetual war is actually what props up the societies. And the odd thing about this is this was allowed to be published and, you know, people are watching this. I don't think they're quite catching what's happening here, but that's a representation of where the United States government is trying to take the world. Yes, I'm an American. I live in America. It's a great country, full of amazing people. We're not better. I don't believe in believing. I don't, I don't believe getting into that game of like, yeah, who's better? In fact, we're, we're kind of bad in a lot of cases. I'm not talking about gun violence. I'm not talking about, you know, all that crap. Our math scores are pretty low. We're like 23 in the world for when it comes to math educations. Overall, our education's lacking in the non-collegiate fields. You know, yeah, if you talk about colleges, we have some of the greatest colleges in the world, but our general education populace, not so great. Poverty levels, yeah, we can talk about those and all that stuff, but the reality is the American dream is dead. Um, killed that off real quick. We're the first to incite warfare. You know, we can talk about Russia all you want, but we've been involving ourselves in wars and perpetuating war for years. At least 100 years of it. At least 50. At least the last 50. We have just time and time again gotten ourselves involved in war, and we do it from the good dog standpoint of, yeah, we're the defenders. We're the, you know, we're America. We're the Eagles. We're, you know, the Cub Scouts. We're, you know... It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. We're just making other people rich. And eventually this, all this will come out eventually. I truly believe eventually everyone will wake up and realize that America is just a big bully, but not Americans. The United States government is a giant bully. The majority of them are making terrible decisions in a world of ineptitude that is unfathomably horrific that, the most inept people in our society are leading boardroom meetings of stuff that changes the world's changes. The, the reality of other people all across the world. Some of the things we have done are atrocious. I'm not saying America's bad. Americans are amazing people. Yeah. We got some bad actors. Everybody's got bad actors. But like, we're still amazing cultures. Each state is just this amalgamation of amazing ideas and cultures and societies and understandings. And, you know, yes, we have some troubling things, but everyone does. Our government, on the other hand, a bunch of assholes. have no idea what to do and have no interest in the population being any part of the system. We're just the feeding to the machine. We're just the input to the output we're just a commodity to them. And I don't think this is any different than the grand scale of this thing we call reincarnation. My personal opinion, and this is just, I share these openly just so people can understand. There's different ways of thinking about this. There's different understandings. This is just mine. I mean, come up with your own and I'm I'm more than happy to incorporate someone else's understanding. If I have that conversation and they bring up topics and points that I can go and look at. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to fault them for being like, No, I think about things differently. Awesome. I really hope we think about things differently because if we don't, then we live in a dystopian society where everyone's controlled and no one gets to have free will and thinking, which is what all of these stories warn about. That is the reincarnation fucking story to be like, yo, hey, don't let that happen. It's really bad if that happens. If free will and your ability to make your own decisions and think about things is taken away from you, That's what all of the creation stories weren't about in the end. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying religions are bad. I've never said that. Organized religions are bad. Big government, bad. Anytime someone's trying to make everyone believe the same thing, that's what's known as dogma. That's what's known as indoctrination. And that only leads to the downfall of societies. We've seen it time and time again. Romans, the Greeks, in their not in their heyday, the Greeks in their fall, Uh, Romans in their fall. Every time a society falls, it's this story. It's this indoctrination. It's this coercion. It's this corruption. It's this only a set group of people get to be in fortune while everyone else must suffer. There is no balance there. And if we are to say that that is the balance, which is what they've been trying to do for years and years and years and years, is to make the balance that there must be a mass amount of suffering so that some people can have pure godlike exaltation in this in this understanding of reality the story of reincarnation gets into some very dark understandings of what it could look like some of those dark understandings are considered conspiracy theory and i'm here to tell you they're not there are these things known as death cults And the death cults are a factor of an understanding of the priesthoods of ancient times. And part of those understandings are that understanding that many, 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 many people must suffer and die so that some people can become living gods. There are people in this world that believe that wholeheartedly. And they will do everything they can to make that true. And yes, I am stepping out into a world in which most people would be like, dude, you're fucking crazy. You're a quack. And I'm okay with that idea. Because I understand that a lot of people have been lied to it, and they're comfortable with just holding on to that lie. Like it's a fucking life preserver in the ocean. And I don't fault them for that. It's a very scary idea to have to think about these things. I'm just one of those weird people who have enough time on my hands to actually think about all these things the story of reincarnation, this is why I believe I'm wholly inadequate to talk about it, is a story of human history and lies and deceit. And yes, some truths that have gotten lost or hidden. It's the hiding of information. Willful ignorance in my eyes is that original sin. Knowing something to be true, but then hiding it, not teaching it, keeping it to oneself to be selfish in that respect. The question now I have to ask is, has it gone so far that we can never correct it? Or have they pushed it so far that now the correction is going to be monumentally destructive? I know what the cycles look like. I've talked to you about them. Chaos, creation, order destruction. The cycles always end with destruction. The bigger the thing, the bigger the boom, the bigger, the thing that needs to be broken, that needs to be destroyed, to be recycled. The bigger that destruction has to be. I'm curious now to see what that looks like. What is the new reincarnation for humanity in the 21st century? When does it occur? What reincarnations can you be a part of now to better prepare or understand yourself for that idea? I apologize for uh, apparently someone is using some lawn equipment outside. Um, What is this destruction cycle look like now? And to be honest, I, my personal opinion on it is it's going to be bad. It's, it's going to be really, really, really bad. Um, and there are people to blame for that. And no, we shouldn't go on witch hunts and we shouldn't go on crusades. We've done all those things. Did we not learn our lesson? No, instead what we need to do is all take responsibility for ourselves and have a mass reincarnation where the masses are responsible for themselves and spot, responsible for their educations, responsible for their actions, responsible for the way they interact with each other. And that's what can get us to a first-class society or, or a, 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 yeah, first-class society. That's what can get us to just... Uh, infinite possibilities could get us back to that chaos realm of, Oh, anything's possible. If we figure it out, you know, we have that option. We can do that. I don't know how long it takes us to get there. I don't know. I don't know, you know what that looks like overall. I don't know if we will get there. Um, but that's probably a conversation for another time. I've probably rambled on about this long enough. As far as reincarnation goes, I implore you to look at the different understandings of it, to take into account that I believe it's a warning um, and that part of the creation lie was disregarding that warning and coming up with a new definition for it that keeps or keeps one in that cycle, and to better embolden oneself with looking at your reincarnations. What are the cycles and the patterns in your life? Because along with that warning came a lot of teachings. A lot of the warning of the reincarnation cycle, the entrapment cycle, came with teachings on how to get out of it, how to be aware of it, how to to sidestep it, how to get away from that entrapment. And that starts with looking at our patterns. And so if you look at this system of patterns and you look at this idea of, you know, fates or incarnation and all that stuff. What does it mean for you in a a daily perspective? Right. Maybe that's really where I should end this conversation. Really what I should talk about instead of going off on how the American government has been bullying societies and bombing people into hell for a long time now. And just this perpetuation of warfare, that's never going to get us anywhere. Um, This tribal nature of people, right? Let me go back over the cards. Because that's really what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to tell the story of what the cards are telling me to tell you. The Wheel of Fortune is very much a representation of being aware of and paying attention to the patterns in your life. And what those patterns are doing to you and what they're making you look at. And maybe the first pattern you become aware of is that everything you're doing is making you unhappy and everything he's doing is not really getting you anywhere. You're not able to make any progress. Maybe you're going backwards stagnation, you know, uh, maybe it's health related. Maybe you just had poor health. You got to look at the patterns, because the patterns are either what's keeping you were there or what got you there. And the changing of those patterns is might what might get you out of that. And so if you look at the patterns and the first thing you realize is that you're not in control, then your purpose must be, I shouldn't say must be your purpose could be to make your depression yours, to take control of it, Your purpose is going to be, this is my depression. This is the way I understand the world. This is the way I look at things. The way information comes into my mind and I use it. My connection between my body, my mind, and my other, my spiritual health system. To make your purpose to be in control of that. From there, all sorts of different things can happen. And then, you know, you, you do some stuff that maybe you've already done that and now you're in this is this seat of like, hey, Phil, like I've, I've done that. Like I, I've gone, I'm learning about myself, doing the self-awareness thing, but I'm, you know, I feel stagnant again. I feel stuck. Maybe I'm going backwards and I'm starting to be like, oh, this fucking crazy bearded guy is, you know, trying to coerce me and lead me down the wrong direction. And, oh, okay, that's t- totally fair and I'll not really trying to do that, but you could see it that way. Maybe he's like, Oh, he's a quack. Listen to him talking about aliens and like possible differentiations of what history actually is and what reality might be and, and how there could be these like bad actors in societies that are trying to make everyone else suffer so that they can have a great life. Hey, right. do whatever you want with it. I don't care. As long as you think about it, that's all I'm asking. So what the cards would say in that case the wheel of fortune says, you got to look at the patterns. Got to look at the patterns you're telling you. From there, you got to look at your tribes. Do you agree with them? Are they serving you well? Have you shunned them and walked away from them and, and been like, you know, I don't want nothing to do with these people? Was that the right decision to be making? Do you still need a support structure before you stand on your own? What is the representation, you know, the page of cups, what is the representation of your experiences with the feelings and the emotions that come along with all these things? And are they new in some way? Can you get wrapped up in them? Are you getting too wrapped up in them? Are you getting too stuck in them? Cause that's a pattern. That's a cycle. We have to be aware of that. Is the partying becoming too much? Is your little friend circle going out and partying too much? And is that making other things suffer? is your tribe treating you well? Is your, is this really the tribe you want to be a part of? I've had quite a few different tribes that I've gotten myself into and all of them have either faded or gone away or I've learned that some of them were using me and it wasn't a symbiotic relationship and I didn't want to be a part of it. That's my family is a perfect story of that. It's like, fuck this. I want nothing to do with this anymore. I'm out. I didn't want to be trapped up in the, the mental and physical abuse and one of the sexual abuse. I didn't want to be trapped up in the lies and the deceit and the, the what ultimately came down to a bunch of people, not having anything other than their self-interest in mind, but no one taught them that was wrong. So in the end, I really honestly don't fault them. I know I say a lot of terrible things about my family and the broken home I grew up in, but, I want to make it very clear now talking about this reincarnation thing. I really don't have any ill will towards any of them at the same time though, the balance of that is I have no interest in having a relationship with any of them. I don't wish them bad though. I don't wish bad things upon them. I hope they're successful. Some of them have kids. I hope, you know, they've learned lessons and they've, you know, gotten good jobs and they can provide for their children more so than what we grew up with. That they understand that, you know, there is this thing known as mental abuse and and physical abuse that's not healthy for a child. And that what happened to us, because I'm not the only one that shared in this, like my siblings also have a very, I'm sure they all have their own take on it, but they also have their own understandings of what happened. They have their own representations of the patterns, the wheel of fortune that happened that occurred to us, and the tribe that we were involved in, stuck in. And they get to make their own decisions. They get to decide how they want to take these interactions, that first feeling of something. Do they want to get trapped up into it? Because if they become aware of it and they really make the changes and the decisions, they can have their son. They can have their, you know, moment. You can't get trapped in that. That's one of the things the sun card warns about is, yeah, you can have the moments of joy, but along with that needs to be the understanding that it's not going to last. That you really should cherish it. Because it's not going to last. In fact, that's probably the greatest lesson that I attained from my family. And I have to thank them for that. You know, hard knock life, hard lessons, great. What I learned from it all was up to me, though. So I could have incarnated into a fucking, and I did it at at a point, incarnate into a just angry teenager with angst and, and misery. And that's where my suicidal nature took over. I had no idea. I had no idea about this thing known as reincarnation. That chaos existed, that pure possibility, infinite possibility existed, that I wasn't trapped. I didn't know about the warnings about these cycles and about the patterns and not being aware of them. I didn't know about any of this stuff. My purpose wasn't to make my depression my own. My purpose was to use my depression to make people feel bad about me so that they would hopefully notice me and that someone would save me. I'm here to tell you the, the, the story about being saved is bullshit. You save you. No one else saves you. You save yourself. Even in the moment, if it's a physical saving moment, if the child in the street is about to be hit by a car and that brave soul runs out and grabs the child and rolls away, If the child were to sidestep that individual, step away from that individual, they can't be saved. And I know that's a very harsh story, but it's actually a a change-up in one of the canonical writings in Buddhism. one of those anecdotal stories. It's actually part of one of the parables. You have to choose to be saved. And you can either save you or you can rely on someone else to save you. And if you're relying on someone else to save you, You're going to be in this reincarnation cycle forever. Go read Dante's Inferno, see what happened to him. And don't think it's anything different when it comes to the heavens, because it's all the same. As above, so below. If, as a society, we keep asking our betters, the people above us, to save us, we're fucked. We have to save ourselves. That is the warning of reincarnation. We must be our own saviors. We must save ourselves. I can't, I can't put it any bolder, any, any more flatter. I can't put it any more sharply. This is an impasse. The warning has been sounded time and time again. The clarion call has gone out. The claction has happened. Infinite possibility, the understanding chaos must be forefront in the conversation. We have to renounce the lies. We have to save ourselves. And part of that might be looking at me straight in the eyes in your screen or listening to my voice and being like, you know, I'm gonna turn this asshole off. I'd be so happy for you to make that decision. I'd be so happy for you to be like, no, this guy, this person is not what I believe. This person is not a good influence on me. This person, if that's the hard decision you make, if that's what you decide on, I'm so happy for you. Cause you saved yourself from me. Apparently that might be the, the real choice. I don't know the is There's no answer if you're just believing everything I say because you're like, Oh, this guy's got a cool beard and he sounds smart. You've missed everything I've said for 46 episodes (laughs) and I can't save you. You have to save you. I can tell you, I believe you can save yourself. Absolutely. You can make the hard decisions. You can look at this thing known as reincarnation and heed the warning That you can get stuck in cycles. the Wheel of Fortune is like a thing and you can be stuck in it. And that your tribe is something you need to decide on not get wrangled into. And you can't get stuck in the constant feeling of seeking out new experience of emotion or feeling. This ends in addiction. That too is a warning. Every card in the Tarot deck is both a divinatory understanding a advice idea and also a warning. Um, I don't typically read this them this way, but there is a way to read the cards in which if a card comes out upside down, you have to look at what would be the other side of it. You have to look at what it could be telling you as a warning. I like to just take it as a full connotation overall of, I both look at the advice and the warning all at the same time, which is what I do with, you know, how I use these cards to come up with topics. It's how I settled on the reincarnation idea here because yeah, I can look at the sun card and I can be like, "Woo, the sun card, that's joy and happiness and this like amazing fruition period of fortune and all that stuff. But that doesn't last. And if, if all you do is just look at that one side of that coin, you're in for a really rude awakening. <laughs> and that's where we are now. So we have to be aware of these things and we have to be ever vigilant and apply that small. Apply the warning of reincarnation into your habitual natures. If you have, you know, decided that your purpose is going to be your, making your depression your own, and now you're kind of like trying to fine tune that and to get a better understanding of your mental health and who you are and to use your depression, you can apply the uh, warning of reincarnation to your habitual natures, to your... Everyday processes, how you make decisions to actually make decisions and then to learn from those decisions. Remember, the reincarnation cycle can be very small, and the cycle goes along with the chaos order. I'm sorry, chaos creation order and destruction cycle. So we can either Make a bad decision and then dwell in that decision and get stuck in the reincarnation of the dwelling of the bad decision, or we can learn from the bad decision. Repetition is the mother of all skill; failure is its father. And when we can make a better decision, and maybe that better decision isn't quite the right one just yet, but instead of getting stuck in the oh, I made another decision, I was wrong again, fucking just getting stuck in our head, we can nope. I'm gonna I'm gonna reincarnate into a new embodiment of a new decision and make another change. And eventually, the correlation of these choices will beget a positive change or a new change, and I can take the infinite possibility. And although I've talked about how the creation lie is is a is, and the reincarnation idea is a warning, we can look at it the opposite of that. Just like I do with the cards, you look at both sides and see that oh, okay, maybe there's a little bit too much infinite possibility here. And my outcome is a very defined outcome. So I need to take that infinite possibility and I need to give it some structure. I need to create a a path and then I need to order that. And then eventually I'll I'll let go of that. That's the destruction side of it. And that's when we can get out of the cycles. Knowing that we're going to get into new ones, we can leave behind the ones that don't suit us. As much as the reincarnation story is a lie and a warning, it's also advice to embody a better you. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to wait till another lifetime to do that. You can do that in this lifetime. You can embody a new you, a better you now. You have to put in the effort though. But it's possible. If it wasn't possible, I would have killed myself a long time ago. And that's my story. And it's not unique. It's unique to me. But there's probably hundreds of thousands of other people who could say the same thing. I just might be saying it louder than some that if reincarnation wasn't a possibility. Reincarnation wasn't a possibility of this lifetime specifically to be able to do it in this lifetime, to become an embodiment of a better person, a better understanding, a better control of the depression. If that wasn't possible, I'd have killed myself already. So Do it that way you will, but you can do it too if that's where you're at. Or you can just find a little bit more contentness in your daily life. Infinite possibility. That's also the story of reincarnation. You get infinite chances, infinite possibility to do whatever it is you want to do. And I hope that's the society we move more into, that understanding. So this one has definitely been uh, a long one and I appreciate it if you've made it all the way through. Go maybe try to apply the reincarnation thing to some of the other topics I've discussed or just, you know, have a chit chat with your um, your little tribal group, you know, be it your significant other or your kids or, you know, just your little group of like people you work out with or like open up the discussion of, what it looks like and outside of a religious standpoint, outside of even maybe a spiritual standpoint or maybe in a, just like open up that discussion and just start to kind of weave in and out of it. Cause that's also here in these cards is that, you know, yeah, the tribal group is important and to bounce that conversation around and, and to see what comes of it. And maybe in some way we're tribal in our own self that you You honor me in listening to these episodes and that makes us part of our own little tribe that maybe, yes, we haven't met personally, physically, but it's tribal by that nature. Maybe we do share a lot in common or share commonalities of our ways of thinking. And that's connection. Another thing reincarnation talks about. Connection in all different ways, connection to the next life, connection to past lives, connection to individuals. And that's the whole thing they talk about with soulmates and and twin flames or, you know, connection of, you know, children to parent and like reincarnations. It's all uh, amazing, amazing stuff to talk about. Action calls here at the end, taming hindrances, coupon code at purebulk.com. Go get yourself some supplements. Um, Supplementation is one of the ways I keep healthy. I think everyone can benefit in some way from supplementation. If you don't have an understanding of it and you want to take an hour and 20 minutes, I think it is, out of your day or over time, uh, on my YouTube channel, Taming Hindrances, I have a a video about vitamins. I cover all the major vitamins, what they do for the body, what they're about. Um, You can head over to purebulk.com. And just read, you know, if if there's a supplement you're interested in, they have awesome, you know, detailed stuff and they have links. Uh, They cite all the stuff that you can go read about. It's a good starting point. If you're like, should I be taking this? And you go to the website and you look, find the bulk powder and you read about it. Um, They also have just some great blends like their immune support and just their multivitamins. Amazing. But again, taming hindrances code there. You get 10% off. I get a small commission that supports the podcast. I really desperately need some reviews. Um, if you really want to support me, you can go to your podcast platform of choice, Spotify, iTunes. Um, I think I'm on pretty much on every every platform at this point, uh, but leave a review. That totally helps me out. Head over to the YouTube channel and watch my, my big bearded face talk to you there and leave a like or a comment. That'd be cool too. Um, what else? check out the archive dot slash archive for all sorts of, uh, resources. And, um, I mean, that'll do it for now. I'll leave it up to the cards for next time, but hopefully we're going in the right direction here. Take care. And I will, I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taming hindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. Now go be awesome, and just remember to breathe.